You're listening to the Fresh Takes on Tech podcast, a show from the International Fresh Produce Association. This is a show for people interested in the intersection between technology and the produce and floral industries. Every week, we explore the problems, solutions, people, and ideas that are shaping the industry. If you are interested in the innovations that create change, this is the place for you. Let's dive in. Hello, I'm Bonnie Estes, your host of Fresh Takes on Tech. This season, we are highlighting companies in the Freshfield Catalyst Accelerator. The Accelerator is a six-month program bringing new technology to the produce industry. For more information on the Accelerator, you can either contact me or you can go to our website, freshproduce.com. Today, we have Tarek Greenan, COO and founder of Nexus Robotics, and Luke LeBay, CEO of Nexus Robotics. Nexus is a company that's in the Accelerator. So welcome to both of you. Welcome. Thank you, Vani. Thanks for having us. Sure. So Tarek, let's start with you. Please explain how and why you started the company. It started back in 2017. I had been running a small vegetable farm with a friend of mine who I went to engineering school with. I was actually a city kid and spent some time in engineering school. I really enjoy engineering, but didn't have the greatest time at school. And I traveled across Canada, spent some time on farms, really fell in love with agriculture that way, seeing all of the systems. And once we started the farm, I got opportunities to talk with a lot of the larger scale growers in the area. And I was just really kind of shocked about how much time and resources they were spending on repetitive tasks. And I knew that robots were a good candidate to replace some of these tasks that were done by hand. And so I set out to start the company and uh, ended up starting it with a couple of friends who actually did complete engineering school. (laughs) And uh, yeah, we, we decided to choose weeding as our first option because it requires a lot of time to do. Uh, it's all You always need to weed, and it seemed like a solvable engineering challenge. So how long ago was that that you started? That was in 2017, like right at the start of 2017. Oh, okay. And you started it in Halifax and then moved the company? Exactly. Yeah, all uh, three of kind of our original um people uh, grew up in Halifax and it was a really good place for us to start. Uh, But we uh, had an investor from Montreal and the farms are a lot bigger near Montreal. So it seemed like a good opportunity for us to grow there. It's mostly potatoes in Halifax, right? Isn't that what's one of the major crops in that area? Not necessarily. They grow some potatoes, but it's, uh, a decent amount of vegetables and a lot of fruit. So there's uh, like quite a few orchards uh, and things like that around the area. Most of the agriculture happens in the Annapolis Valley. It's like the on the northern uh, part of the peninsula. And uh, yeah, there's there's quite a bit of variety actually with the, that they grow in the valley there. So Luke, let's move to you. So uh, when did you join the company and this isn't your background either. How did you get interested in, in this? That's a good question, actually. I joined in 2020, and that's when the uh, Montreal investors wanted to get into uh, to do a seed round 
with the three young uh, founders, and they they thought, I, I guess, uh, you know, rightfully that they needed a little bit of gray hair, which I happen to have. Um, so I was I was in between two uh, projects, uh, and and um, being an agronomist, uh, I guess bilingual for the Montreal thing, um, you know, it kind of caught my interest to uh, join the company. So I flew to Halifax, met with Tarek and the team, and you know, immediately fell in love with 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 the people, you know, with Tarek and the team, but also with the technology because it is so unique. It's different than what I had seen. So that's what really caught my, you know, uh, my eyes there. And uh, but moving to Montreal, as Tarek said, was uh, uh, very uh, very important because that's where fifty uh, percent of all the vegetables in Canada are grown. Uh, lots of mock soils in here. So Tarek, why are robots needed in the field and why is this important now? And then also talk a little bit about the technology and how you chose it. Yeah, I think the most important thing to realize is that we want agriculture to be sustainable. And right now, the way that things happen in North America is that we are privileged to have people that come from Central America to pull weeds out of our fields, right? But the only reason that it even works like that is because our economies are stronger, but the Central American c- countries are quickly catching up and, and their economies are growing as well. So I think there's going to be a day where these people from Central America don't want to leave their families for six months and come pull weeds out of the field in Canada or the United States, right? So if we want to have a sustainable food system, we're going to need to innovate and create technologies that can do these tasks before uh, the people that are currently doing it don't want to do it anymore. And I think it's it's wise for us to start working on these technologies now. Um, there's already issues that farmers have with just the cost of labor and labor availability. And it seems like these problems are only getting worse. So I think that it's really important for us to have uh, affordable food for people, especially vegetables. Like vegetables are a, a, an essential part of a healthy diet. So if we want to keep having low cost vegetables, we need to uh, develop more technologies that can help us produce them. So back then in 2017, when you were thinking about this and thinking, okay, weeding is a great problem to go after. This is important to agriculture. How did you think about the technology, like what, what are we going to choose? How are we going to do this? And, and there weren't that many weeding, you know, autonomous robots at the time. So how did, what did you develop and how did you go about doing that? Exactly. I, I didn't really think about it from a technologic lens, to be honest with you. I just was talking with farmers and I heard the way that things were being done and it sounded kind of ridiculous to me. And I think that that was one of the things that helped me being a city kid and being ignorant to how a lot of farming actually happens, right? Because when they were telling me, yeah, I have 50 people out in the fields pulling weeds, that seemed completely absurd to me. I was like, are are we an advanced civilization or are we pulling weeds out of the ground? Like it just, it, it was really strange. Uh, I, I didn't expect, I, I was kind of naive and thought that herbicides were a lot more effective than they are, which they are in some crops, but particularly 
not in vegetables. So um, I that was kind of how the idea started. And then I've had lots of very intelligent people that have helped me along the way to actually bring the technology into reality uh, because that wasn't my lens by any means. Like I had a very broad sense of knowing that it seemed realistic to do, but the technicalities of how to do it, I had no idea. So Luke, if I go out in the field and I see um, one of the robots out there, like what is exactly, what is it doing exactly? And how is it different than what other people are doing? Basically, you know, our robot is is different in a way that it's, it doesn't, you know, we manipulate. So we don't, we don't kill we, we can manipulate, we have articulated arms that basically mimic the human arm. And that was the original idea is to try to do it as closely as possible to the humans. So, so technically, um, our robot is, is meant to be like the finishing crew where, you know, we can take care of the weeds that are very close to the crops. So, uh, you know, there are other technologies that are faster that will do uh, the inner rows and, and, and do that much faster. But then the, the, you know, the labor crew still has to go and, 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 and look under the foliage and, you know, kind of remove the, those weeds that are left that are close to the crop. And, and that's, that's what we do. So basically we have a robot that is autonomous, that is about the size of a Zamboni for those who follow ice hockey. And, uh, we, you know, with some arms, um, underneath and then you know it's uh we recognize the crop recognize the weeds and we're able to pull weeds at any uh stage of uh, development so whether it's a big weed a medium weed or a small weed so, so does uh, it grow it, it goes over the row then it goes over yep. the crop oh yes okay. yes, I didn't yes exactly that. oh wow and it can, it's able to see the difference between the, the crop and the weed and and pull those out yeah, and the technology is more complicated. That's why it took us, you know, uh, some years to come to where we are right now because we we need to identify the weed, we need to identify the crop, and we need to identify where the stem comes out. Because if you want to go and uh, be efficient pulling it, uh, you can't just pull by an ear or by a leaf, you know, you have to, to go right where the stem comes out. And there are some weeds that are very complicated, like the purslane, for example, it grows and crawls. So when the purslane is is too big, it, you know it becomes really complicated. But uh, you know we're getting pretty good at removing pretty much anything. And what crops are you working in now? And and are, do you, for each crop, do you have to go through a whole development cycle to figure out like which weeds are there? And uh, well, each crop needs to uh, you know we need to build a model for each crop, and that requires like a couple three weeks of um, annotation and uh, images and building some models, but uh, the robot can work in any row crop. So, so far we have, uh, we have models for lettuce, uh, onion, carrots, uh, cabbage, uh, you know, different things like that and more to come. It's just that, you know, how it is a startup, you know, we can't spread around too much. So, you know, we kind of focus to be as good as possible with the, you know, those we know right now, but uh, as the demand uh, comes in and that we have more people to work with us, then uh, we'll come in with uh, you know, pretty much any crop. And do the weeds vary by region? Like what you're doing in Montreal, are they different than the Salinas Valley? So you have to train on different weeds? 
it's not so much training the weeds, but training everything that's around it. And, and probably Tarek is probably better than me to, you know, to explain that. But the first time we came to California to do some optimization, the soil color was different. And that threw us a curve. Oh, you know, wow. it's like, why is our model not working here? And it, it was working back home in Montreal. So we figured that, you know, the, the, the lighting, the, 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 the color of the soil. So we had to retrain a little bit. You know, the model was focused too much on images from home. So, so yes, it has to be retrained. But, uh, you know, as we get more images and uh, we're not yet in the millions, but, you know, eventually, you know, uh, the model will become more and more resilient. Tarek, what do you see as the future of automation in the field? Like, do you think that if you look forward five to 10 years, the field is going to be swarming with with different kinds of automated robots? Or what is your expectation there? Maybe a little bit further out than that. But I think that the simpler a task is, the quicker it'll be automated. And also the less enjoyable a task is also the quicker it'll be automated because both of those things well you know the simpleness correlates to how easily it can be addressed by a company but also one of the things that i've realized talking with farmers is that the field workers don't want to be out in the field pulling weeds they all want to be in the pack house where it's air conditioned and so you know, getting workers to do those kind of tasks is not the easiest, right? And it's like they're, you know, it's just like any other job. You know, if you don't enjoy doing a job, you're either going to want to get paid more for it or you're going to do something else. Uh, so I think that uh, I didn't really intend it that way, but I think it worked out. Well, I also had experience pulling weeds and didn't enjoy it, right? So that, I'm sure that, contributed to it as well but i don't think i was thinking you know on that level of strategy at first yeah i think that is you know what we're going to see automation go after first is those jobs that are dirty and dangerous and you know people don't want to do those jobs and so we are looking for for different ways of doing it exactly it'll take time though it for sure like each each task to automate you know, it requires years of development. So I don't think that overnight farms are just going to be swarming with robots. I think that it's going to be a slow progression and there's going to be more and more technologies that are implemented over time. And then eventually, maybe in 50 years or something like that, most of the tasks are going to be done by robots or something like that. But I don't I don't expect there to be drastic changes over the next five years, for example. So Luke, what needs to happen for robotics to be more widely adopted, do you think? I think two things need to happen. First is like there's there's a need for technologies to be to be there and adopted and work. Uh, you know, there's a number of companies uh, swarming around, you know, the market right now. And I think that there's a need for a few years of, you know, a number of technologies to really work, to get the word around, and uh, and and then and then the the farmer will be uh, readily there to adopt. Um, I mean, there are some technologies that have failed. Some more will fail, and but but some will work, and and you know will basically um, 
tell the growers that it's it's time to move in and it's time to it's time it's time to do that. The next thing is the reliability as well. I mean, sometimes, um, well, most of the time, um, first versions or second versions of robots, you know, it's automation, it's robotic. It it needs to be reliable. So uh, so so you need to be in the field with long hours and and repetitively there to make sure that you improve your reliability because there's nothing worse than uh, a broken robot in the middle of the field. You know, it, 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 you need to be able to rely on them day in, day out. Um, you know, like the manual labor will be there and will work or, or you know, unless they're sick. But if they're sick, they're going to go to the doctor themselves. The robot won't. So, so these two things together, like the technology to be there and working and the reliability, I think are two things that if they come together, then there's going to be like, uh, like the door will be open and, and then the new technology will be readily adopted. And what is your commercialization strategy? How are you going into the market, both in Canada and in the US? And do you find a big difference between the two markets? No, beside the beside the size of farms, uh, the markets are fairly fairly uh, similar in terms of. Uh, I mean, each farm have its own uh, farm management system that we have to work with. But you know, uh, lettuce is lettuce, and and the way it's grown uh, on other side of the border is the same. Uh, basically, our strategy is, and what what we want to do is is bring the technology and have as many people as possible to see it. And, and see that it works. So technically we've been juggling with a lot of things and there's nothing in concrete really, but we are, and, and it's, it's a known um, structure to come in as a, you know, we, you know, uh, weeding as a service where it's like, it's cheaper for the farmers uh, to, to have a robot on their farm for a season. It doesn't ask too much money to them. So, so by coming in with that sort of structure at first will allow us to have more robots out there and and have like a a wider bang for a buck if i could say where instead of having two robots sold we could have like 50 leased and uh but again the drawback to that is that uh you know 50 robots would cost us a lot of money so we need to have we need to have a lot of funding and uh it's going to weigh on our capex but you know that's if that's what it is that's what it is uh you know the most important is to have our technology known and accepted and you know put in the face you know to uh put it to the face of of all the growers thought to like have a like a hub in maybe montreal and a hub in salinas where there's robots that live there and then they get serviced out or what how how would you do that yo yes actually you know we're we are uh, we have a hot seat at the western growers association in uh, salinas right now it's a first step towards being there permanently um, we have recently hired someone out of California to be there all the time for us, like technician deliver the robot and whatnot. That's in, that's, you know, it, it's just planification so that we're there for next summer, summer of 2023. Um, but yes, uh, technically uh, there's the West coast structure and the East coast kind of structure where the West coast is like California and Arizona, where most of the growers will have Northern Cal you know, Central Cal, Southern Cal, and then Arizona, which basically takes care of pretty much 12 months of growing. So robots will be on the West Coast, will stay on the West Coast. 
It's a bit different in the East Coast because you have a little bit of a gap in the middle where not much grows in the Virginia and things like that. So, so basically, you'll have um, you know a flock of robots that will be working in the summer in the northern area, like New York, Canada, New Hampshire, and these kind of places, and then will basically come down to Georgia and Florida for the winter months where there's some growing there. I mean, we'll expand after that because there's more than that, but uh, that that will be the first step because that's where most of the vegetables are grown in uh, North America. And do you think as you move forward, I mean, the, the primary task right now is is weeding as, as you move forward in developing the robots, are there other tasks that they will do, gathering data and making other predictions or where do you see this headed? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> kind of, I can wet myself a bit here because uh, we're already working on having our robot to do thinning of the lettuce at the same time as weeding. So, so that'd be like a that'd be like a two for one because we can manipulate. I mean, it's easy for us to build an uh, an algorithm that will basically remove the lettuces that it shouldn't be there. You know, so uh, that's something we're already working on. We've we've started also to work on disease identification, uh, insect detection. These kind of things, all you know, new applications that will be pushed to the growers to give them more information on on their field. And these are all things that do exist. Uh, you know, there are different companies that will offer that kind of thing. But if it's all done at one place by one mean, I, I think there's there's a need for that as well because uh, you know, in the long run, uh, growers won't want to have like. 50 different suppliers, you know, one for weeding, one for thinning, one for this and one for harvest. So I I think that down the road, whether it is 5, 10 or 15 years, there will be consolidation also within the market. But but we're trying to get as as much or as many different uh, applications under the hood of our of our Zamboni. I'll just quickly add on to that for a second as well. That was one of the intentions actually with creating the technology was seeing how much farmers love tractors. And I think one of the big reasons why every farmer loves their tractors is because of how versatile they are. You can hook pretty much anything up to a tractor and it will do the work. And I think that that is one of the things that we are trying to emulate with that, this technology is if we can have one robot that's capable of doing many, many tasks for the farmers on one unit, it adds a lot more value. It's it's not just like one plus one. It's, you know, it, it adds the value exponentially because if you can be weeding and scouting for pests and disease and thinning all simultaneously and you know, eventually we want to get into doing things like harvesting as well, because there are still plenty of crops that are harvested by hand as well. So I think the, the more features that we can add to the robot and the more versatile the technology becomes, the more valuable farmers will find it. No, I think that's definitely true. And just, I'm just curious. So like underneath, as it goes, like, would you need to have different cameras or different sensors for to be looking for diseases than are looking to like where to pick the weeds? You know, does it get really complex under there with lots of different sensors or cameras or how does that work? No, we are just using RGBD cameras. So we have an RGB image and then we also use a depth image with infrared to 
be able to tell the arm how far down to go to grab something, but we plan on using that for all of the applications. Uh, we're probably going to experiment with multispectral imaging at some point, but uh, it adds a lot of complexity uh, and a lot of cost, uh, and we'll have to see if the performance is worth it. But for right now, uh, it's sufficient to just have the RGB images. And do you have to have connectivity to be doing all this in the field, or can you? Yes. You do? Okay. Has that been an issue? Uh, It has occasionally, um, but it's more just been like a technical issue, just like anything else. Uh, Most of the farms that uh, we're on have some level of connectivity. We don't need high bandwidth. We just need to be able to connect to the robot to send it commands, essentially, uh, because some of the time we're operating them remotely. Sometimes there's somebody there, but the robot operates autonomously. We just need to be able to monitor it, make sure that it's working properly and issue any commands remotely if necessary. Uh, But the robot is capable of operating without a network connection. But if it loses the connection, then we stop it as a safety precaution. So Luke, you have been involved with the Freshfield Catalyst. Can you tell us about how that experience has been for you and been for the company? Uh, You guys are so great. I mean, for us, it's like, you know, we're Canadians. uh, You know, we like to travel, you know, when California is fine, Florida is fine. When we travel to the U.S., we go where it's hot. But then, you know, for us to know what was happening in California, you, you guys took us to all the best places. And, uh, and then, you know, I've, I, you know, it's only been like two months, two and a half months now. And it, I feel like I'm, I'm Californian. I know everybody and I can, I don't know all the phone numbers, but uh, I, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, we're part of the gang now, even if we're from outside the country. So, uh, and, and, you know, the, the IFPA is like, gives us a world of support. Uh, you know, it's just, it's been one of the best uh, decision we've made to apply to, you know, the cohort. So lastly, can you give us an overview of the coming fall and where people would be able to see you in action? We have a very, very busy fall, actually. It's kind of scary, but uh Right now, I mean, just to step back a bit, now we, we have five robots that are uh, operational, not yet commercial because, you know, we need to master the beast before we unleash it, I guess. But uh, Terex team is basically, has been um, uh, operating our five robots on farms in Canada for the whole summer. They're still, you know, weeding as we speak. Um, and uh, so we're, we're coming in September to California because we want to continue the optimization of our models. Um, you know, come September back home here, nothing grows anymore, not even weeds. So, and we even have slow, snowflakes at times. So, uh, so we're, we're heading down to the Salinas Valley, Santa Maria Valley, and uh, also around Bakersfield for the September and October period. And, uh, you know, everybody will be able to come to our website and see, you know, the locations where we are. There will be, demos on and off but basically we will uh you know it, it's it's going to be so nice to have just people you know come up hey we want to see your robots knowing where we are but the big the big uh activity this fall is that we're going to be part of the fira uh, show 
in Fresno. I think it's October October 18th to 20th. Uh, and that's our big coming out. I mean, uh, we're not as well known as others. And uh, so basically we have a booth, we'll do a demo and we'll have everybody in place to talk and explain and, you know, shake hands. And that's going to be a big, uh, big, big uh, coming out. And hopefully we can wrap that after that. And we, what we want to do is replicate uh, a whole season of operation in Arizona uh, between November and March with uh, some farmers. And But that's yet to be uh, finalized. But, you know, we'd like to do that just, just to operate in the U.S. and show people what we can do when we operate them. Well, before we sign off, I want to thank one of our sponsors of the Accelerator, Bear Crop Science. Bear is a global team dedicated to shaping agriculture through breakthrough innovation for the benefit of farmers, consumers, and the planet. And we really thank them for their support. And thank you guys for spending your afternoon with me. And it was really great to talk to you. The International Fresh Produce Association is bringing new technology to solve industry's big challenges through the new Fresh Field Catalyst Accelerator. The six-month immersive program works with technology companies outside of produce and floral to experience the challenges in our industry and develop innovative solutions for a healthier world. Applications are due April 4th. Find out more at freshproduce.com. You've been listening to Fresh Takes on Tech, a podcast from the International Fresh Produce Association. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us keep delivering the latest on produce technology. Thank you for listening. Until next time.